The Golden Homers are brought to you by Generations Barbershop, a Notre Dame-themed barbershop that has been keeping Irish fans looking good since 1930. Brent and Gill are located on Lincoln Way East in Mishawaka, Indiana. Open 8 to 5 and by appointment, call or text Brent at 574-250-0622. That's 574-250-0622. Hey, it's Nathan from the Golden Homers here to tell you about meetupvegas.com. Want to eat the same quality meats that the great chefs in Las Vegas use? I got the hookup for you. Delivered straight to your front door, meetupvegas.com offers steaks, pork chops, premium chicken breasts, prime rib, you name it. Check out meetupvegas.com and use code IRISH10 at checkout to receive $10 off your order. Low snap, picked it up, takes an end zone shot, and finding McKinley goes up and gets it, and it is a touchdown. Welcome back to another episode of the Golden Homers Podcast with your hosts, Mason Plummer and Nathan Erbach. That's right. Welcome back. Welcome in. You're listening to the Golden Homers. Uh, find us, obviously, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Uh, this is Nathan Erbach, and I'm joined, as always, um, by my, my co-host, uh, Mason Plummer. Uh, we're recording on uh, Friday, unfortunately. Um, we know that most of you would love to uh, get these uh, recordings probably uh, earlier in the week, and we're definitely going to start, I think, recording on Mondays or Tuesdays uh, moving forward. But uh, Friday, uh, late morning, early afternoon, I think, for Mason, and I'm uh, just barely getting my first uh, few sips of uh, coffee in. Yeah, recording during my lunch right now, man. You're making me work. But uh, yeah, <laughs> glad, to, glad, to be, glad to be recording here on this Friday afternoon, rainy in South Bend. But how about that new intro, man? I'm so excited about what we're doing with this show. And shout out to Donnie Harmon. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I hope you guys are obviously enjoying the the show so far. Uh, we're now on uh, episode nine, which which seems crazy. But uh, obviously, some exciting news that that Mason's already kind of hit uh, hit the nail on the head. But uh, you know, dropped a new logo. Just shout out to uh, Anna Masendic. Uh, for for her help there and uh hopefully you guys uh, noticed but we now uh and you know mason already brought it up but the the new intro to the show um his friend donnie Harmon uh worked really hard on that um and and then obviously coupled with uh with some sponsorships um and we're, we're kind of just rolling th- things are really cruising along yeah we're loving it man continuing to grow and it's it started a little bit slow but we're catching some momentum now watch out yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, we'll, we'll get some more guests your way. Uh, locked up someone here for the, the coming weeks um, that, that I think you guys will enjoy. Um, and then uh, obviously right now we're, we're very Notre Dame centric. But uh, but as we've mentioned, uh, in, you know, in our podcast uh, previously, you know, we do want to talk about White Sox baseball. We want to we want to talk about Cubs baseball. We want to talk a little bit about fantasy football here and there. Um, which we might have to kind of kick into gear next year for for that specific topic, and then and then obviously we'll we'll throw some other, you know, maybe some Chicago sports your way, just because you know most of you are, you know, in that area, um, and then just some touch on some other, you know, just different topics and stuff like that. But um, let's dive into it, Mason. Uh, obviously Notre Dame coming off their, I, I think their most impressive win of the season, um, at least from an all around standpoint, uh, this past Saturday against USC. Um, to me, the game never really fell out of hand, um, and, and the boys essentially, I think, had control of that game from from start to finish, uh, beating the Trojans thirty-one to sixteen. 
Yeah, no doubt about it. It never felt in doubt. Uh, the stadium atmosphere was electric. I was lucky enough to, to get into the game and actually ended up sitting just about the 50-yard line. It doesn't get much better than that. So uh, re- really enjoyed my time at the game. Uh, got to see a lot of uh, people from Twitter the night before. Uh, got to hang out with John from Always Irish. It's always a good time. And, yeah, man, just the atmosphere for USC is different. And uh, it, it, it was nice that the game never felt in doubt. Notre Dame should have probably won by a little bit more uh, kneeling <laughs> to, to end the game when you could have scored a touchdown. I get it. That it's the res- it's a respect thing, I guess. It's, uh, it's the right thing to do. But, man, I would have loved to see uh, one more touchdown. Notre Dame could have won this game by 20 or 30. Still a good win, never in doubt. We move on to UNC and hopefully a similar result. Yeah, and it was funny. I, you know, after the game, the comments from Dante Williams, who said that, you know, they oh, geez, ran, yeah. ran out of time or ran out of clock or whatever. And I was thinking to myself, didn't Notre Dame just kneel the ball to go up probably 38 to 16 at bare minimum 34 to 16? And in all honesty, they were about to do it until they had a false start penalty. And then they just decided to sit on it. And, you know, that's kind of Kelly's MO. And I respect him for it to an extent. But at the same time, like, you know, if, uh, with comments like that at the end of the game, you know, maybe, maybe next time they play, uh, Kelly won't be so, so nice about it. Yeah, I could see that happening. I mean, so like you said it, so it could have been 38, 16, if not worse. So if you're getting doubled up on or even more, uh, you didn't run out of time. You, you lost and you lost handily. That was such a dumb comment. Yeah. And, you know, obviously well, they were up, what, 24 to three at one point. USC kind of got back into the game and made it a, a one score game. And then Notre Dame quickly um, went down the field and scored again. But, you know, we don't have to talk about the uh, the the missed call by the refs um, on the interception that would have made it even a worse score, because I think USC scored right after that to, to, to make it that one score game when Notre Dame right. was going down to, I think, what was it going to make it a 31 to 10 game, essentially um at the time and so and then so it could have easily been 38 to 10 45 to 10 maybe maybe you throw in another score for usc just because they were kind of putting pieces together so you know i think this the score overall was pretty indicative of how the game went yeah and it, like you said it could have been worse the the fighting drake london's essentially that he was the only one that that really stood out on that USC team for me. I remember a couple of years ago being worried about USC coming back to town in the, the upcoming years of Keaton Slovis. But, man, I don't really know what, what happened to him. He kind of fell off. I, I, USC always has stud receivers. I know this team isn't great right now, but I was really worried. I was thinking, man, Notre Dame might have some trouble future first-round pick Keaton Slovis. But you could argue Jack Cohn was better on the day. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you uh, – like you said, a few years back when Slovis came in as a true freshman, looked like a guy that was, you know, sort of on the, on the way up to possibly being a first round pick and, and right. Receivers pretty much are the only reason that they have life on offense. Uh, I shouldn't say that. I mean, Keontae Ingram had a really good day on the ground and I think he's a, a really solid player too. And, and USC is always going to get the skill position talent. Um, and, you know, and they, I think their offensive line played okay at times, but Notre Dame's defensive line is the strength of that, you know, entire team probably. So, um, you know, you didn't have to worry about too much there. But, yeah, I think Drake London made Keaton Slovis look a lot better than he, he probably actually looked um, on Saturday night. Well, yeah, I could have trotted out there and targeted Drake London 30 times and say he comes down to 15 of them. That would be an impressive stat line for me, not to take anything away from Slovis, but – London's probably going to be the first receiver drafted. He's just a freak. I mean, you can't cover him. And then 
when you put trips out to the to one side and have the two guys blocking the front of him, I mean, what are you going to do? Yeah, and I think that's an important note um, on just the game plan in general. I heard a lot of talk specifically after the game. I mean, I do my post game show, um, you know, on on uh, the Voice of College Football with Mark Rogers um, every Saturday, and you know, obviously, you, I haven't had a chance at that point in time to kind of review film or or just kind of let everything sink in. So everything is sort of just reactionary. And so many people were talking about how the Notre Dame defense played poor on, on Saturday. And, and first and foremost, I mean, they were without their best player for the majority of the game and Kyle Hamilton. So they deserve a little bit of a, a break, I think from that standpoint, but at the same time, and we're talking about, like you mentioned, Drake London is probably the number one wide receiver in the country from a draft eligible standpoint, um, or at least he'd be my number one guy, along with maybe like a Chris Olave or Garrett Wilson at Ohio State. Um, but outside of a 40, 144-yard play, he, he aver- I think he averaged, what, nine, uh, you know, nine yards per catch, had like 20 targets, 15 receptions. So that was pretty much USC's game plan was to get him the ball and hope for the best. And then I think on top of that, this is becoming a trend with the Notre Dame USC games because of how, you know, maybe undisciplined USC is you're expecting them to be able to move the ball down the field. So you want to keep everything in front of you and not give up like huge chunk plays all the time. This I think in, in 2019 when they played, when they had St. Brown and, and, and Michael Pittman on the field at the same time, and maybe even Ronald Jones. I might be – Ronald Jones might have been the year before. Um, that might have also actually been the marquee step game before he transferred out. But, um, you know, every, they have weapons on the outside. They're always going to have a good running game. And if you play this bin but don't break defense and, and hold in the red zone a lot of the time, you know, Notre Dame's going to come out of those games with very similar outcomes, 31 to 16, you know, 24 to 17, I think was the score a few years back where, where USC actually maybe would have won that game if the clock didn't run out on them. And it's, you know, it, I see all these comments rolling in about how the Notre Dame defense played poor, but in reality, Drake London didn't score a touchdown. USC only scored 16 points. Notre Dame won by double digits. And I, I really just don't see the issue there because I don't think that's a trend of how the the defense plays in general. I think it was actually a really good game plan by by the defensive staff after losing uh, their best player. No, I absolutely agree. And game plan during the week was for Kyle Hamilton to kind of shade towards Drake London's side. He only plays on the left-hand side. And, of course, the, the guys behind Hamilton, DJ Brown, KJ Wallace are going to be in those game plans as well, but you can't replace a guy like Hamilton and you can never anticipate him going down. You're always planning on having your best player in a future top five pick here in a couple months. So uh, I think Hamilton at least erases one touchdown off the board. I mean, it's different to think in retrospect now. I mean, the, the game's over. It is what it is, but you know, with, with Hamilton on the field, it, it changes a lot of things. London doesn't have the success he does. Hamilton probably gets a pick in that game as, as much as uh, Keaton Slovis was targeting London. So it would have been a different game with Hamilton. It doesn't matter now. Notre Dame got the win. But, of course, Hamilton did go down. Uh, Nathan, do you think potentially that was Hamilton's last snap in blue and gold? Yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely something we need to consider and, and obviously talk about, you know, obviously with how, how good he is as a player. He's already someone that's locked up 
you know, a ton of money, most likely, um, you know, with being a top 10 pick, um, you know, assuming the injury is not worse than we expect. Um, not, nothing's really come out on it. I know Kelly mentioned it being like a pinched, pinched fat or whatever in his knee. Um, which was the very first time I've heard of that injury, which was int- interesting. But I was talking to a few of my um, uh, paramedic buddies, and they said, yeah, it's not super serious. That's actually what it is. So hopefully that's all it is, and it's just a swelling issue, and, and people deal with swelling, you know, sort of differently, you know, in their, you know, in their ligaments and and, and their, you know, the parts of their body and stuff like that. But, but yeah, no, I mean, it, it's certainly – worth noting i mean he's a guy that if he doesn't feel 100 percent healthy I, you know it's hard to blame the kid if he doesn't if he doesn't play another snap at notre dame which would be sad for notre dame fans just because how good he is um but certainly um i think you know me and you would agree on this you know we we want to see him playing on sundays too and, and, are, and are excited for that yeah and you can't ask him to risk his future i, I believe in the irish illustrated podcast pete sampson illustrated how like illustrated how uh how would be putting at risk. I want to say that the, for a top five pick, it's like 35 or $36 million guaranteed in your rookie contract. So you're asking him to put that at risk for a a couple games for for Notre Dame and which is fine, but Hamilton has already put himself at risk plenty. I remember him playing injured quite a bit last season. And of course your Notre Dame was a national championship hopeful last season. Maybe not so much anymore. There's not quite as much to play for, you know, in this current playoff system, which, should get fixed here hopefully soon. Um, but Notre Dame is fighting for a New Year's Six Bowl, essentially, with an outside chance at the playoff. I don't even know if that's the best-case scenario for Notre Dame. I don't know what that looks like for Hamilton, but you don't want him out there unless he's 100%. Of course, that doesn't make that makes the team not as good. You Of course, you want a top-five player in the country. I would argue top three. And he, just, he brings a ton to this team, but it's time for somebody – in the in the secondary to step up. You're not going to get it from Houston Griffith, it appears. DJ Brown has done his job, but can he do it for an entire game? He did it for the most part against North Carolina last year when Hamilton also happened <coughs> to be out. It, it's a shame that we haven't got to see Hamilton really play against Sam Holland, North Carolina, like we'd like <laughs> to. But um, man, it, it's going to be it's going to be a test for the Notre Dame secondary. Somebody's got to step up. I think DJ Brown is capable, but there. I think we've already said it. There's no replacing a guy like Kyle Hamilton. So, um, if, if it was his last snap at, for as a Notre Dame player, that sucks. But I, I totally get it. Yeah. No. And you, um, that that brought up a good point in regards to you know obviously with with the money and 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 the fact that Notre Dame's not really competing this year for a national championship. If they were competing this year for a national championship, I think that that would you know, maybe be a, a factor for him. And then another factor to maybe bring up is the fact is, is NIL. Um, and, you know, there's maybe money to be made uh, with, with uh, Kyle Hamilton still in terms of NIL. I don't think any of those are going away just because he's hurt. Um, but I, I was listening to a podcast. Um, I think it was actually pot of gold. Um, and cause they were talking to Dan Brugler. And so I thought that was an interesting one to, to listen to this week, um, just on some of the Notre Dame players that could go into the NFL draft this year. Um, and, they, and they mentioned that some of these guys like an Isaiah Foskey or Jason Adam Alola, Jarrett Patterson, guys like that, that could come back and maybe make more money, um, you know, in the 2023 draft you know, NIL could play a factor. And, and with Kyle, like I said, maybe it doesn't so much just because he's already so known. 
but you know, maybe someone's saying, Hey, I'll throw you 300 K if you, if you can come back and you're, you know, and as long as you're healthy and, and, and you can do it. But, um, and then on top of that, I think Hamilton is a competitor. Um, I think he's a guy that wants to be out there with his teammates. I, I don't see him as a, a Jamar chase type, a, a Leonard Fournette type that wants to sit out. Um, and, and so I think that that could end up being a factor as well. If, if he's, if he's able and ready to go. That was some LSU hate there from you. I know. I, just, I, know I noticed that right when I said both names. I'm like, man, I'm hating on LSU here first. <laughs> no, I think Hamilton, he, he is a competitor. He wants to be out there. But at the same time, it's a business decision. Like, like we mentioned, he's got to do what's best for him. I totally get it. I know I, I almost feel bad saying this because I know it's going to happen, that I'm hoping he doesn't catch hate on you know online. But he totally will just because people are short-sighted and only care about what's best for them. But uh, to me, it's more important. I want to see him ball out on Sundays for the next 10 or 15 years. Yeah. And transitioning a little bit, you know, we, we mentioned LSU. Uh, there was a big LSU commit um, on campus uh, for Notre Dame this past weekend. Um, and Walker Howard, um, like I said, quarterback, quarterback commit for LSU. Um, big, huge recruiting weekend for Notre Dame. They had, I think, plus, uh, 100 plus recruits on campus. They had the majority of their 2022 recruiting class um on campus as well and then obviously huge targets i already mentioned walker howard but you had xavier nawangpa on campus a safety out of iowa who's down to essentially three schools notre dame iowa and um, ohio state um, you had two big time defensive linemen and anthony lucas and hero canoe um, on campus and then uh, you had a couple uh, really, really uh, talented offensive line, 2022 prospects as well. And uh, Billy Shrouth out of Wisconsin and uh, Emil Wagner out of Ohio, um, who might be down to, I think, what Notre Dame and Kentucky. Uh, Ohio State's probably lingering in there as well. And then Shrouth is essentially down to Notre Dame and Wisconsin. But um, specifically for the 2022 class, I mean, those were kind of the names to know. Um, I think Carson Tabarachi was also in, a, in attendance, a three-star athlete um, who, who Notre Dame's considering as well. Um, and then a slew of 2023 guys and, and even 2024 guys. Yeah, it was essentially just everybody in Notre Dame's really big on targeting. There's some upcoming this week as well, but man, a huge recruiting weekend. They brought out the light show, dude. I was the, I was there for it, and it, nobody knew it was coming, and it was almost like they were in shock. Like, is this is this really like old school Notre Dame, like pulling out the stops for these? Like, it's not essentially all for the recruits, but in a way, it is. They know that this is the biggest recruiting weekend in almost two years, and man, it was awesome, dude. I, everybody saw the videos, but you had to be there like in person to, it was to take it all in. It was crazy. Um, like I said, nobody knew it was coming and almost didn't know how to react. It was, uh, it was awesome to see all the players get excited. I, I take it that they knew about it, but man, it was, they, they were pumped up. And uh, I remember on the inside, inside the garage podcast, they mentioned that Notre Dame's got to do something heading into the fourth quarter and man, they did it and they did it well. I hope it's not a one-off a one-time thing though, because everybody seemed to really like it, you know, the green and all of the lights and, uh, the fan interaction with the flashlights, it, it was it was awesome. And uh, especially a USC weekend like that, great time to pull it out. Great execution, man. I can't say enough good things about how Notre Dame pulled off this weekend. And the recruits, they, they, it seems like they couldn't have taken any better to it. Everybody seemed to have positive things to say from what you and I have read or heard. And, uh, man, hopefully it pays some dividends here soon. I don't even know if you meant to, to say that, but when you said all of the lights, wasn't that the song that was playing as well? <laughs> yeah, that was the idea. Come on now. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. I'm, I didn't know if I had a, <laughs> enough respect for you to, to see if you'd pull that out of your, pull that out of your hat. But uh, I, I know Kanye. 
<laughs> That's good. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, you know, and you mentioned that you thought the recruits and stuff knew about it. I'll be honest. I don't even think they did based on the reactions. I mean, you saw the whole, the clip of, you know, even the Notre Dame players on the sideline when it happened. Uh, I think it was like Braden Lindsay, Kyron Williams, Sebo got in on there. Um, and, you know, they seemed surprised, like surprised just as, just as the fans were. So I thought it was pretty cool. And uh, like you mentioned, hopefully they continue to do that. Another night game against North Carolina this week. So hopefully you see it again. Um, and I think it's just something that doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, this, uh, this big ordeal where it's, it's now your fourth quarter thing per se. And everybody talks about it ends up being all over, but at the same time, it wouldn't be, you know, wouldn't necessarily be a negative thing if that was the case either. Right. Yeah. I, I like it. Notre Dame needed to do something. Keep up with the times, man. Everybody likes it. Everybody seemed to take to it really well. Just uh, make something your own. And even if it's not this, you know, all the time, maybe it's something you pull out on big occasions. But, man, everybody was super excited, and it really livened up the place a little bit. It was already a, a pretty good atmosphere. But, uh, man, you know, <laughs> there's a lot of old people in the stands sometimes. <laughs> and going into the fourth quarter, they're a little bit sleepy. Woke them up. Yeah, it's fine. I saw him, and you were there, so you might be able to speak on this a little bit more than I have. And obviously, you've been to way more Notre Dame games in South Bend than me. But um, someone said, "Oh, it's a night game. It's USC. All the all the old farts that are typically screaming to sit down during the game are probably already asleep." So Notre Dame this weekend. There was it definitely was a young crowd, but I did. I mean, you always have it, dude. Because I, I try to get like I get excited being in there. There's nothing quite like a Notre Dame game, especially a night game against USC. I mean, that's that's as good as it gets, really, and, unless both teams are ranked. But I still had old old ladies tell me to sit down, like on a third down. Are you serious? Like, come yeah, 50 on, fifty yard like, line. Let's go. <laughs> well, right, yeah. What are you doing? Like, go watch at home if that's the case. If you if you want people to like sit down and you want like a unobstructed view or whatever or just stand up with everybody else like telling me to sit down on third down you kidding me that's where i'm excited uh so whenever i go with my uncle who is who got me the tickets for the notre dame georgia tech game he always sits i forget exactly what section i think it's like 131 or something like that but it's always the back row up against that wall yeah and it's and it's still like it's it's not it's not 50 yard line but it's like probably like the 10 to 15 yard line so still just like you and you're and you're elevated so you have like a really good like this view of the stadium in general i can stand up the whole game and no one's gonna say shit to me so i'm, I'm pretty excited about that um, obviously it's georgia tech and it's not a night game so it's not gonna have like the same atmosphere as like uh this weekend will or the you know obviously the the usc game this past weekend but i'm, I'm excited to be able to stand up and not, not have to worry about someone someone yelling at me for doing it. Yeah, you should be excited. And what I've found, I've sat essentially all over the place, you know, every kind of section over the years. You know, being in South Bend, a lot of tickets could just get given away or, you know, parents, friends, bosses or whatever. You know, people don't want to go as they get older, which is fine with me. I'll take tickets whenever I can get them. So I've kind of sat all over the place. and I, I found that there isn't really a bad seat in there. So you take them when you can get them and – uh Notre Dame Stadium is a really good place to watch a football game for that. I mean, like I've I've sat everywhere and I haven't ever really been disappointed. So there, you can't go wrong. And it sounds like you got a good spot. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's his spot every time. So it's just I've, every time I've been to a Notre Dame game in South Bend, it's pretty much been that same viewpoint. So I'm, I'm used to it at this point. Um, <clears throat> hopefully you guys can't hear this stupid construction going on in the background. I'm in my office today. 
I'm recording this and uh, there's a there's a big building going up across the street from where I work and it's it's kind of loud on my end. I don't know if you guys can hear it. Um, but yeah, tra- transitioning to uh, UNC, uh, we just kind of talked about the the big recruiting weekend that Notre Dame brought in for for USC. Um, but, uh, like you mentioned, it's another big one, um, predominantly, I think 2023 guys. Um, but Notre Dame does bring in a few more of their 2022 class. I mean, I think, uh, Joshua Burnham, Tonona, Eli Raritan and Devin Moore are all going to be back on campus. I I don't think Jadarian Price was at Notre Dame for the USC game, but he's going to be back on campus for North Carolina. Um, and then Notre Dame's probably their prized recruit, at least in my opinion, um, of the 2023 class and, and Keon Keeley. Um, he's going to be back and he's a guy that they need to do whatever they can to keep. Um, so the fact that he's returning, I, I think, is a huge deal. Um, and then a bunch of uh, 2023 guys. I think the list is probably um, highlighted by Peyton Bowen and Jackson Arnold. Um, who are actually teammates down in Texas. Jackson Arnold's one of the better quarterback recruits in the country and a, and a top uh, prospect for Notre Dame. And then Peyton Bowen, I think, is probably at this point trending to Notre Dame and one of the better safeties in the country. So um, another really just solid list overall. Um, and then a bunch of guys with no offers and stuff like that, too, that Notre Dame's kind of looking at. Yeah, uh, Notre Dame looks to be in good position for both Bowens. Not related, but I like it. And then, yeah, you mentioned uh, getting Keeley on campus is huge. I think he got a lot more eyeballs on him and playing against Arch Manning's team um, this past – it was last week, last Friday night, and yeah. showed out. And he might be the best defensive end in the country, and he's not ranked as it just yet. But I believe 24-7 sports is set to drop some new 2023 rankings within the next two or three weeks. And I'm excited to see him get a jump because I think he and Brennan Vernon might be five-star guys. I think Keeley's more of a five-star than Vernon is, but they're both studs, easily top 100, top 50 guys. And way to start the class. Hopefully the 2023 class keeps on moving and staying uh, staying at the top because, man, it, it's been a great start. And hopefully we're getting some some more news here with, uh, with another five-star guy in Drake Bowen. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of Bowens, like you mentioned. And, I, and I'll be honest, I'm on record and it may or a hot take. I'm on record right now saying that Keon Keeley might end up being the best recruit in the country for 2023, not just the best defensive end, not just a five-star, but if he ended up being the number one ranked kid in the country, it wouldn't surprise me. I think he's getting that a lot of helium in regards to that right now. Um, and then Notre Dame also is bringing in another five-star defensive end from the 2023 class. And, you know, whether or not they have a, a, a big chance with, with Jason Moore or not, um, you know, anytime you can bring an elite pass rusher, uh, to campus, a, a five-star guy, um, and specifically out of, I think he's, he goes to DeMatha Catholic, which I know yeah. Notre Dame specifically, um, at least from a, a football standpoint, doesn't have a huge connection there. They don't bring in, you know, a lot of those guys go everywhere. Uh, but at least with the football program, there is a connection. And, you know, it's a Catholic school out of, uh, you know, the Maryland area. So, um, you know, maybe Notre Dame can, can build some traction there with with Jason Moore as well. And, you know, you pair that with, with Guion Keeley um, and, uh, you know, Brennan Vernon and maybe they land Samuel Impenda, uh, which I think there, there's some interesting smoke there as well. So pass rushers galore for Notre Dame, and it, it's going to be fun to watch hopefully over the next couple of years. Yeah, it's just ridiculous recruiting right now. And for guys like you and I that really enjoy following it, it's not quite a breath of fresh air, but it's just like, man, it's just so exciting to, mm-hmm. to be hearing about guys constantly. You know, you go through the 
top 100 list on 24-7 sports, and, you know, there's 20 or 30 of them that you could genuinely see Notre Dame landing. Like, that's just unbelievable. It's not something that we're quite used to. Uh, recruiting has definitely seen an uptick since Marcus Freeman came into Notre Dame, and he just has that infectious personality. He's a younger guy in terms of coaches, and guys just love him. And, man, he's, he's doing his job right now. I'm excited to see what he can really do in this 2023 class. It's off to a tremendous start, and – I believe Drake Bowen is announcing November 7th, which is just over a week from today. So uh, hopefully some good news there, potentially another five-star in the fold. He's a, he's from Indiana. So Notre Dame has done a good job recently in keeping in-state talent in state going to Notre Dame. So um, from the Maryville area, Andrean, uh, he's, he's a stud man, a certified bona fide five-star guy. Hopefully add another one in the fold, man. I, I love watching him play, and it'd be awesome to watch him play in a blue and gold and in-state guy here in the next couple of years. Yeah, the 2023 class is really something to monitor. I know in the past people have gotten really excited, you know, when Notre Dame kind of gets a few guys in the fold. They, they tend to get guys committed early, um, you know, for one reason or another. You know, I think they already have four or five commits in the 2023 class. Um, but – you know, it's funny. I was talking to a good friend of the podcast, Danny Cunningham, this week, and he was mentioning how Notre Dame could realistically end up with three or four, maybe even five five stars, at least current five stars. I mean, I think Brennan Vernon probably slips out of that range at some point. Um, but as you mentioned, still a top 75, top 100 guy. And then I my, my comment back to him, I was like, man, Notre Dame might end up with four or five five stars just, all, just in the defensive front seven. I mean, Sonny Styles, uh, Drake Bowen. They already have Keon Keeley and Vernon committed. And I, I guess like we both agree, Keeley's probably a five-star talent down the line. You know, and then like I mentioned, Jason Moore is going to be on campus. You have, um, you know, Samuel and Penda going to make a, a decision here soon. And, you know, that could be Notre Dame. So, I mean, that's five or six guys right there just in the defensive front seven, which would be crazy. Um, and then you couple that with guys like uh, Dante Moore, and Jackson Arnold, who I think could end up being a five-star talent down the line, um, or, or uh, not not a five-star talent, but a five-star uh, prospect down the line. Um, you know, you have the Nico Yamayeva, hopefully he said that correctly, who they're also in on, um, and, and a few others. I mean, they're, it, it's going to be a really, really good 2023 class, and if they keep producing on the field, um, I think it's probably going to be the best class of the Kelly era. Yeah, I agree, and a lot of guys are really taking liking to what Notre Dame is doing, what Notre Dame is building, and it's a lot easier to pitch that four for 40 kind of thing where you really have to go to school and you have to try, you have to show up to class, and you, you can't say the same about some other programs but uh, in terms of making kids actually go to school. But it's a lot easier to pitch that and, you know, that off-the-field success that you can have when Notre Dame is successful on the field. So we're seeing that in those two uh, college football playoff trips that that's paying dividends hopefully a new year six bowl or maybe make it back to the playoff again if all those big 10 teams are going to beat up on each other eventually so maybe Notre Dame slides up in there I don't know a lot of things have to happen but hopefully they continue this momentum maybe at the very very minimum get a new year six bowl new year six win get that monkey off your back guys are going to like that and uh, just keep on rolling man the 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 vibe around the program is the best that I can remember yeah, uh, absolutely. And it starts obviously this week. I mean, Notre Dame is is five and one and now they have North Carolina coming to town. We already kind of mentioned the visitor list, but you know, North Carolina is down from what maybe they were supposed to be to begin the season, but still a 
an explosive offense, an offense that you have to to really um, you know prepare for. I mean, Sam Howell, I still think is one of the best uh, quarterbacks in the country. Doesn't necessarily have the offensive line that you'd want. Um, so kind of similar to Notre Dame, I guess, in that aspect. Even though I think Notre Dame's offensive line is starting to trend up. Um, but Howell is running more this year, so he's a threat um, on the ground. I think he has, what, three or four 100-yard games, um, which is crazy. Um, just a guy that seems like more of a pocket passer over the past few years. Uh, and then Josh Downs, uh, specifically, who's ironically his brother is going to be in attendance as a as a recruit for Notre Dame. Um, but uh, but Josh Downs is a is a dynamic wide receiver, um, probably predominantly in the slot. I think I saw that mo- like 96 percent of his snaps are are played in the slot. So Tariq Bracey, who had a really good game last week against uh USC is going to be in for a big day there, and I think his confidence is is high. So, um, would have been obviously great to have a, a Kyle Hamilton over the top for him, but you know maybe Houston Griffith and DJ Brown can can get an interception or something like that when uh, when Hal just keeps pounding Josh Downs all day, um, like USC did with with Drake Drake London. Yeah, I think that would be huge for Griffith or Brown or KJ Wallace, Isaiah Pryor, Xavier Watt, whoever you put out there. Somebody needs to get an interception and really just get the juices flowing in that secondary. That's got to be feeling a little bit down without Hamilton, the, your guy that makes up for all of the other errors. I think that Houston Griffith's play has been kind of, I don't want to say like not overshadowed. He hasn't been impressive, but uh, Hamilton hides a lot of Griffith's mistakes and hopefully those don't come to light against North Carolina, a team that can punish you for that. So I need to see better from Houston Griffith. I think DJ Brown needs to put together a full game and I'm excited to see what the secondary can do. It's a big opportunity to see what we're going to get from the secondary next year. I think some guys need to step up, some guys need to improve, but um, maybe we'll, maybe we'll add some talent to the secondary if Xavier and Wonka just takes Kyle Hamilton's spot. That'd be cool. Yeah, no, that would certainly be cool. Hopefully we're getting some good news there um in december or whenever he announces but um but yeah so we'll, we'll kind of move on. i mean i don't know if we have to touch too much on north carolina in general i mean like i said they're they're a deep they, they don't they're not a great defense they're they're a team that was supposed to be an explosive offense and it's still there in spurts but but certainly has have fallen on hard times i mean lost to florida state a few weeks back um, just not the team that maybe people were expecting. I think they were getting some top 10 hype at the beginning of the year and possibly, you know, you, maybe they beat Clemson and they're a, they're a, they're a playoff team or something like that. But, but both of those teams are ironically down, um, and Notre Dame, um, gets, gets, uh, North Carolina at home, which, which should help as well. But, um, defensive front seven for Notre Dame, I think is going to have a field day, uh, today or, or uh, tomorrow. I should say, and I think that's going to help a lot and that maybe that will cause some turnovers. Um, and I think Hal's going to be running for his life uh, for the most part, probably going to pick up some first downs because he's running for his life. Um, they're going to run some design plays with them too. That seems to be a big part of their offense. And so not necessarily expecting this to be just a cakewalk win uh, for Notre Dame. I think North Carolina is going to be able to put up some points. And I think that they're probably a little bit of a better offense overall um, than USC. So I would even expect for them to put up more points than USC did. Um, and I think that that's easy to say also with Kyle Hamilton being declared out. So you don't, you're already without your best player. So maybe you add a touchdown or something like that uh, to, to the scoreboard simply because of that. But, um, but like you mentioned, I mean, it's going to be a big weekend 
for the, um, you know, for the guys in the secondary DJ Brown, I think has been actually pretty good this year. So I'm not really worried about him overall. Um, and I think Houston Griffiths is assignment sound, but without Kyle Hamilton next to him, allowing him just kind of to play that center field, um, position, make some plays, whether that be an interception, whether that just be, you know, he's just more noticeable in the game overall. Um, and then obviously your corners, I think are going to have to play your best game of the year. Cam Hart's, you know, been a guy that's been great all season for the most part, but uh, you know, you want to maybe see him, um, you know, make some plays that are noticeable for sure. And then, and then Clarence Lewis, I think, uh, this, this could be a really nice bounce back game for Clarence Lewis. Who's, who's kind of maybe gotten a little bit of the Tariq Bracey 2020 treatment from the fans and maybe even the coaching staff over the last few weeks. Um, so it'd be nice to see him have a bounce back game and, and, uh, and play pretty well. Yeah. It's just a big week for the secondary overall. You aren't, you aren't worried about the defensive line at all. You said it, I think we're in for an Isaiah Foskey strip sack. I know that Howell is, is mobile, but so is Foskey and that he's an absolute <laughs> freak. And I, I, I love watching him succeed, but Foskey why does he got to be mobile. so good? He's going to leave. Damn it. Just, just be good, but not so good. Just stay around. No, it's good for the program. It is. I just – I love watching him. And if he does leave, I think it'll be great. He'll be a first or second round pick likely with the season he's having. But, you know, if you stay around, maybe get an NIL deal, go top ten next year. I don't know. Exactly. I, I You know, and it's funny. We, we You know, we mentioned all these other guys like Keon Keeley and all them coming in in a few years. But uh, that, that's a good point. If, if Foskey stays uh, for one more year, he could easily be a top ten pick in my opinion. Oh, yeah, add another 15 sacks to the resume. The dude's just a freak. He's so fast and strong. Do you see that clip of – I can't remember who posted it. might have been Greg Fleming. Of, um, so, it was Foskey coming around the edge, pushing the offensive lineman with one arm and then sacking the court, the Slovis with the other. That's that's just ridiculous strength. And, I mean, I'm sure everybody's seen the videos of his lifts and just, like, how strong he is and just, like, what a freak he is physically. But, my God, he, he should be playing on, on Sundays right now. He, he'd probably be able to – get onto some NFL rosters and, and play some significant snaps. <laughs> yeah. And I think it was Tim Priester who said it in the Irish illustrated podcast, but he goes, that's the play that you put on your, the top of your, <laughs> the top of your uh, clip for the NFL. If you're, if you're putting film together, that's the one you look at first, just because it shows combination of power and speed. It shows power to speed power to speed it shows just like strength in general to where you can hold off you know a guy with one arm and, and still make plays um, which is exactly what you want in the NFL these days with the crazy uh, you know rules where you can't hit the quarterback so if you can if you can one arm strip strip sack a guy and barely touch him to do it then uh, that's that's going to work in your favor definitely and they're I mean you mentioned it that uh, it's it's only a good thing for recruiting guys like Keon Keeley seeing more Notre Dame defensive linemen, defensive ends going to the league. I mean, there's a lot of them now, both Aquaras and Tillery. I'm trying to think of the other ones. Jerron Jones had a, had a cup of coffee in the league. He was succeeding with the Steelers there for a minute. There's a, there's a lot of guys, Khaled Kareem that, um, who, who am I missing? Dalen Hayes hasn't made a, too much of an impact yet. I think he will, but there's some Aquara big brothers. What's that? The Aquara brothers, I don't know if you mentioned them or not. Right. So, yeah, there's just a lot of big names succeeding. I think Julian Aquara is finally really making a splash. Romeo Aquara had a weird start to his career, but had a career year last year. So these things aren't going unnoticed. And it, it's important in recruiting that guys are seeing Notre Dame guys go to the league and have success. 
Yeah, absolutely. The de- defensive line play has been significantly better over the last couple of years with with uh, Mike Elston kind of taking over that spot again. I mean, Jerry Taylor is another one who was a first round pick. Um, Sheldon Day has had a cup of coffee in the league and, and still kind of there. So a lot of these guys are are producing. Stephon Tuitt, you probably mentioned him because he's on your Steelers, but he's another guy to, to kind of to keep in mind there. So the, you just keep building this brand of really quality defensive line play, and it's going to – it's only going to continue to trend up with Foskey, Adam Alola. I think Riley Mills is going to be a really good player. Um, MTA, um, I think, is going to get drafted higher than most people think. Um, and, yeah, no, and, and, and then the guys coming in that we've already mentioned. But, uh, Mason, I know that you can't stick around too much longer, so I want to get into bold predictions here. Um, can probably see where you're going to go with this one. <laughs> I think I'm going to stay off of it this week, dude. I can't do it. I might jinx myself again, but I'm not going with the freshman touchdown, damn it. I mean, the funny thing is, is this would be the week that it's not even that, that bold because I think Lorenzo Styles, who I we haven't talked about in this podcast, which is our fault, but trending up in the offense and, and a guy that I think is going to just be a really special player for Notre Dame um, moving forward. Yeah, I thought I thought when he caught that screen early in the second half and he took it for like 29 yards or whatever, I thought he might house it if it wasn't for that one safety lurking. He might have housed it. He's he's probably the fastest player on the field. And, man, he had a chance if it wasn't for that safety coming and clipping out his legs. I saw him catch it, and I saw the green in front of him. I was like, let's go. I was about to take my victory lap on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. But um, I'm trying to think. You, you go first. I got to think of one. All right. Uh, we've talked a lot about it a lot, and this was actually something that I – was thinking about even prior to the uh to recording but i'm gonna go with a dj brown or houston griffith interception um and the reason i put or in there is because i think i think combined they have maybe one interception maybe two interceptions in their career so i think it's pretty bold to just say one of them will get one um but i think sam howell's gonna just be targeting josh Downs so much this week that there's going to be one instance or, or maybe even a couple instances where, you know, they, they put the safety help over the top for Bracey and Sam hell, Sam house does not see the, the safety um, there. And, and, and maybe it's one of those easy interceptions that even turns into a possible pick six. Um, so I'm going with a DJ Brown or Houston Griffith interception. All right. I like that. I, I figured out mine. I, I've decided that uh, it, Grimes is their the UNC's corner, right? The the one that he starred last year. He should have been in high school, but he moved up. Yeah, Tony Grimes. So Grimes is going to be on Kevin Austin. So their secondary, their defense as a whole isn't impressive. I'm going Michael Mayer, two touchdowns. He okay, is he needs to get be back on diff- track there. Yeah, he's been difficult to cover. Somebody's got to break the six-touchdown record, damn it. And I think that <laughs> so Mayer – What's that? It's so annoying. It is, and it should have happened with Komet. It should have happened so many other times. But Mayer's going to get two this weekend. I think he's a matchup nightmare. Notre Dame's not going to have a problem scoring points or driving the ball. He's he's just a freak. He's impossible to cover in the red zone. Give him a jump ball or two. Let him do his thing. He's getting two touchdowns. He hasn't been utilized enough since he came back from injury. Didn't get enough targets for me last week. He's getting two touchdowns. Yeah, the other one I was considering, and this would have been probably pretty bold, that I was going to say something like six sacks for the for for the team. I could see uh, it. But the offensive uh, line is terrible. 
Yeah. And, and it's crazy. Cause it, I think they brought back all of their offensive linemen. They're all, you know, upperclassmen or, or at the very least were starters last year and stuff. And so you'd think that that would mean good things, but apparently they don't recruit offensive line linemen very well. So, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, that was kind of be my other one, but I, I think the DJ Brown Houston Griffith ones, maybe even a little bit more bold, ironically enough. Yeah, it's totally possible. I definitely think we're in for a, you know, set the line at one and a half Isaiah Foskey sacks. I think definitely taking the over on that. He's, he's going to be a problem, man. And then you, you double him, then MTA is coming around at Jason, Justin, Adam, a little, all of them, man, they, they're going to have a field day. I, I think four or five sacks is, is easy money. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, what's your score prediction? I've been going back and forth. I think Notre Dame is going to get into the thirties, potentially into the forties. I'm going to go Notre Dame. 42, maybe 45. I'm going to go with 45. There's a field goal in there. 45-21. Okay. Big big, um, big win there. I think it's um, closer than it probably should have been. And, you know, in the first half, maybe a bit some back and forth. The second half, Notre Dame starts to pull away and maybe a late touchdown, 45-21. The line at three and a half is disrespectful. Yeah, that, that's interesting. I wonder what the line would be with Kyle Hamilton. I mean, I know he's a great player, but you don't typically see lines change because of a safety being out. So that that interests me. Um, but uh, I'm I think I'm le- kind of leaning towards like thirty eight to twenty four. Okay. Um, I, I do think North Carolina is going to be able to put up some points here and there. Um, I'm not ready to one hundred percent say that this Notre Dame offense is is a forty plus point offense. It's probably not. Um, but but part of that is, and it's weird because they played this tempo game, which which was brilliant for for Jack Cohn. I mean, it, it helps him tremendously, I think, specifically. But even with the tempo, it wasn't like they were putting these like quick drives together. Mm-hmm. You know, the plays were still very, you know, throw it five, six yards, let your playmakers. I mean, um, but then you just get back up to the line quickly. So the, the drives weren't necessarily a lot quicker, but the, the tempo within the game and uh, play by play was a lot quicker. And then obviously, you know, just getting the ball out quickly, you know, help, helps with that as well. But, um, but the, but I, I think this, the drives were still like, you know, five, six minute type type of drives. Um, so I don't think there's going to necessarily be, this, you know, Notre Dame's going to have like 10 or 10 to 15 drives on the day. And that can maybe limit the offense a little bit. But as we saw against USC, if they, if they're just able to, you know, on that opening drive, punch it in and don't miss a field goal, you know, and then, you know, I think they punted one time against USC and then maybe the interception doesn't happen. And then that's another touchdown. So Notre Dame probably should have got to 45, points last week and so i i don't think that yours is off base but i'm gonna go 38 to 24 uh mostly because i think north carolina is going to be able to move the ball on the defense a little bit and that's going to give notre dame maybe some limited possessions yeah and that was kind of my reason for notre dame getting over 40 points they left some opportunities on the table had an easy touchdown at the end of the game they should have had uh didn't they missed a field goal didn't punch one in uh after the bauer interception he should have how do you get tackled by the quarterback? <laughs> I think he got some shit for that. From, from Good. From Drew White, I believe, <laughs> on that icon. I mean, you that can't happen. You, that's your chance to put that dude's face in the dirt, damn it. But um, <laughs> funny. what are you going to do? So, I think Notre Dame scores 40 in this one. I think it's it's a – they win handily. It's, uh, it's a good win, and keep on chugging. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, 
that, I think that pretty much does it for us today. Um, again, you're listening to the Golden Homers podcast. I'm Nathan. He's Mason. Um, we're, like we said, we're recording this on a Friday. Uh, make us your one-stop shop for tomorrow before the game starts. Um, I know, like I said, it's late notice. We're going to start making these podcasts here a little bit earlier in the week for you guys, uh, just so you guys have some time. But uh, definitely listen to us here. Uh, Saturday morning prior to the Notre Dame game. Um, if you're looking for something to do tonight, um, you can't watch it, unfortunately, which is very um, unfortunate. But uh, Notre Dame does play their first – Notre Dame basketball, men's basketball, plays their first ex- college uh, tonight. I believe that's at 7 Eastern. You can listen to it on the radio. Maybe you can find a stream here or there um, uh, for a buddy that's in attendance. Um, but uh, other than that, that that might be an interesting one. We can talk a little bit about you know Notre Dame basketball next week. But uh, Mason, great having you on, obviously. Um, and we'll I'm sure we'll talk a little bit tomorrow when when the game's on. And uh, hopefully it's a it's a blowout that you're predicting. Yeah, I hope so. I think it'll be a good performance, uh, a good little test for the secondary, but I think Notre Dame wins. Perfect, perfect. Well, guys, like I said, he's I'm Nathan, he's Mason. We'll see you guys next week uh, after a hopeful winning for Notre Dame against North Carolina.